Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton, and I am so happy that you are joining us today. I have a very special guest, my friend Christine Burke, who is just a remarkable woman. I have a lot of respect for Christine, always have. She has a gift of evangelism and a tremendous gift of faith, and both of those have been of paramount importance as she received a pretty terrifying diagnosis. And so she's going to share her story of what that diagnosis was and how God has met her and the way, you know, nothing is wasted and God just meets us in the middle of the hard and the ugly and makes something beautiful. And so I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that if you're facing something that seems insurmountable, overwhelming, and um, devastating even, um, I just would encourage you to listen and to take heart and to have hope because you have a God who sees you and knows you and is with you in all of it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Hi, Christine. Hi, Gina. Welcome. Thank you. To the Sacred Space Podcast. I'm so (laughs) honored to be here. So honored to have you. Christine and I go back a little bit. We were at the same church for a long time. And then just in the like music industry world, you worked at Ultimate Ears. <laughs> what was your job? What was your title there? You were, you were a, a, a director of sales. Yeah, you were like... Oh, I didn't start there. I ended up there. Yeah. <laughs> I was in marketing. And then next thing you know, I was in sales. You are have always been this incredibly strong professional woman and also such a strong woman in the faith and you're an evangelist you have always been an evangelist you're one of those people and evangelists always fascinate me people with the gift of evangelism because you just have a boldness and a lack of fear when it comes to sharing about the lord i remember uh, my pastor uh, when i was uh, growing up in the lord in San Diego, Mike McIntosh was a crazy evangelist, and um, the joke was you could be st- he could be standing in line at McDonald's, and by the time he ordered, the guy standing in the line next to him accepted Jesus, you know? <laughs> and you're kind of on that level. Like, I, I just remember we've had so many conversations, and you talking about the people that you're burdened for, that you work with, and, and you have always been so uh, relentless in your intercession and prayers for the people around Mm -hmm. you that you see, you know, God's strategically placed you in an industry that was very dark Mm -hmm. in an industry that was really hard with a lot of, a lot of tough, hard living going on there. Mm -hmm. And you never shied away from that or were repulsed by that, but in actually were more drawn to the brokenness in the midst of that. And, and God used you in really powerful ways. So I would love for you to, to share your testimony and, and some of that. But then what has it been, what, three years or so you've been on another journey with your health and you are a miracle. Yes. A complete legitimate bona fide miracle that you are sitting here talking to me that you're alive is is a testimony to to God's grace and his goodness and his power. Mm -hmm. So I would just love for you to share. Yeah. Your story. Tell us your story. Start wherever you want to start. (laughs) I'll start with the miracle. Okay. So they gave me 15 months to live 42 months ago. Wow. So that right there says that I'm a miracle. And 
I've met people that have what I have and aren't here anymore. Yeah. I don't know anybody. Wow. Except actually one man I know in San Diego. My sister tracked him down on LinkedIn and he's still alive with he, for 27 years. I remember that. I remember when she was doing that research and she's like, we need to have lunch with this yeah. guy. Yeah. She's more like, I need to have lunch with that guy. And she called him up for, through LinkedIn and asked him if her sister and her sister's husband could take him out to a really expensive restaurant. And he said, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that. But oh, wow. um, yeah, so it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's I'm a complete miracle. Yeah. And you have, what is it? What you- it's called glioblastoma. So I was, I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. I didn't really know you then. I don't think you were at Coast yeah. Hills yet. And I was really involved with mops and ministries like that, just being a mom of two kids, two little ones. And then when 2008 hit, I went back to work, and I worked at this little company called Ultimate Ears. And then Ultimate Ears ended up getting purchased by Logitech, and then that grew bigger. And then next thing you know, I was basically working for Logitech in a pretty high-pressured role. And then I kept getting promoting more and more and more, and the work was getting more and more and more. And then I got recruited to go work as a president of another company. That's right. When I... I, when I started, I was like, oh, I'm just going to work for six months. I'll just, like, answer phones or whatever I need to do just to get us over this hump. The next thing I know, I'm the president of a company. <laughs> and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was very overwhelming, and it was mm. taking over my life. Mm. And I was having a lot of headaches. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was drinking long hours. I was traveling. Did I say drinking long yeah. hours? <laughs> you I did. was not drinking water. <laughs> I wouldn't drink any water until mm-hmm. maybe, like, four ounces before I went to bed. Wow. And I would work long hours. I would travel all over. And the company that I was president of was already failing. I kind of was brought in to save it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't happening. Yeah. And instead of just saying, you know what? I tried. I, I need to stop. I kept trying harder and harder and harder and praying more and more and more. And it just still wasn't, the Lord wasn't making it work. And then finally we did end up, getting it sort of sold, half sold franchise to another company. And my headaches were getting worse. I was getting dizzy. And everyone kept telling me to go to the doctor. And I kept saying I don't have time. I would just take Advil. I had this giant jug of Advil in my <laughs> yeah. office drawer, and which I didn't even realize that it was such a big jug of Advil until I went to pick up my stuff after. And I couldn't believe how big this, I don't even know where I got it from to have such a huge <laughs> thing. I used to offer it to everyone. Oh, does anybody want yeah. some Advil? Yeah. So anyway, I finally went to the ER. Well, I went to my doctor. She was like, for headaches, really, there's nothing. I mean, we can try and get an MRI, but I don't even know what kind of MRI to order. So I'll just send you to a neurologist and they can do it. Well, the neurologist had a nine-week lead time and the headaches were getting worse. So I went back and they she referred me to a different neurologist, which had a three-week lead time. And then finally, I was at dinner one night with a friend and she started crying and said, well, did you tell your doctor that your dad died of a brain tumor when he was 37? And I was like, no, because brain tumors aren't hereditary. Yeah. And she started crying and said, why don't you just go to the emergency room and get the MRI? Yeah. And I was like, oh, because this is really necessary. And I finally was like, all right, fine. I don't have anything on, going on Saturday. I'll just go down there and get the MRI. And my husband wanted to come, and I wouldn't even let him because it was yeah. March 25th, and he hadn't done the taxes yet. And I'm like, you got to get the taxes <laughs> done. I'll call you if it's anything. Went to get the MRI. The doctor 
I told him the story and he was like, I really can't authorize an MRI for headaches. But if you want, I can do a CT scan, but that's got radiation in it. It's like an x-ray. So I don't know if you want to expose yourself to that, the x-ray field. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I've, I've been waiting here for about two hours now. I'm going to go Let's ahead and go it. for it. Yeah. yeah. And so he gave me the CT scan and then he came back and said they found something suspicious. And now they want to do the MRI. And so mm-hmm. I did call my husband at that point and he came down. And he called a couple other friends, too, and they ended up coming down. But I did the MRI, and they found – I never saw that ER doctor again. We waited a long time, and finally a, a neurosurgeon walked in the room, and he said that he was sorry to tell me that I have a very extremely, extremely large mass on my brain. Wow. And he said, I don't even know how you're alive right now. As soon as he said that, that's where I feel like – the miracle started, and I felt God's presence immediately when he said, I don't know how you're alive right now. Yeah. I felt like I was hearing God say, you're alive because of me, Yeah, and I'm good. going to take care of you through this. And I immediately thought of my my life first that I gave myself um, <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't grow up going to church, but um, when the kids were little and I used to have this fun camp at my house, I'd always assign a different Christian song to each kid. It was always a Bible verse and this one song I really liked. It was It's John 8, 12. Um, Jesus says, um, whoever follows me will, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never live in darkness, but mm. will have the light of life. Yeah. And so I immediately thought of that. I'm like, well, I may have some giant mass in my head, but I'll... I'll never be in the darkness hmm. ever. Yeah. Because I follow Jesus. And yeah. So I'm just gonna focus on that right now. Yeah. And he, he even looked at me like, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Like, yeah. can you come out and and he showed showed us the picture and he's like, Do you see do you see this? how all you have is headaches? I just thought he's all it must be like he thought it was a parasite. He's all have you been to wow. Africa for like six months or Asia and ate pork every day? And I was like, No and He's all, sometimes parasites can cause this fluid buildup. And he's like, to me, there's no way it could be a tumor because it's so big. Wow. And anyway, long story short, he immediately put me in the ICU. Didn't even go to a regular room. They wouldn't let me leave. I suppose I could have signed a release, but I was kind of scared at that point. And then I had brain surgery two days later to remove it. And the surgeon said that he was able to get everything visible which we were all, and I didn't have any neuro deficits. They warned me that which I may not miracle. be able to feel yeah. my left side because it's on the right. I may not be able to feel my left side when I come out of surgery. That mm. was like the biggest risk. And luck, praise the Lord, I didn't have anything. And the, even in the hospital, the doctors were saying, I, I can't even believe you had brain surgery like today or yesterday yeah. and you, every, you're fine. All the um, therapists were coming in and the, I didn't need physical therapy or I don't even remember the names of the therapies yeah but I was fine with all that praise the lord and I just kept singing his praises my sister has a business where she makes scripture cards she flew down from northern california and I asked her to bring a bunch of her scripture cards that she sells on amazon and every single person that walked in my room whether it was a janitor or a nurse or someone to draw my blood which they do like 10 times a day my doctors Every single person in the ER, I would give them that card. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, I, I'm these, these are blessing cards. They've blessed me, and I'd like to bless you. Mm-hmm. Would you like one? And they always, I never once had someone say they didn't want one. Yeah. And I asked my doctor who exactly was going to be in the ER when they operated on me. And he told me every, 
like everybody from the scrub tech to the computer tech, and I made sure each person that I gave each person that card, except unfortunately I didn't get to give one to the scrub tech, but they promised me before they put me <laughs> under that he would get it, but he had already scrubbed in, so I couldn't touch it. So, um, so that was the start of that, and then I went into, um, ended up doing 110 chemos. Wow. And 30 radiation treatments. That's amazing. And I wore a um, this new technology for brain tumors where you wear this thing on your head. It's like an electrical cap, for lack of a better word. And yeah. um, it's called tumor treating fields. And I had to shave my head every other day for that. And I wore that for two years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, except yeah. when I took the things off to shave my head again because you had to have a bald head in order for it to work. And the chemo didn't cause me to lose my hair, so that was kind of a bummer. But yeah. But there were no side effects outside of the head shaving. I would take that any day over the chemo. I did not do well with the chemo at all. Yeah. It was I have the, in that respect I have the same experience as a lot of cancer patients. I was very sick. I mean, I spent two weeks in bed every month for over a year, curled up wanting to die. Mm-hmm. Couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything to make the nausea go away. They did finally, I was throwing up a lot, but they finally got that under control. But I still had the same feelings. I just wasn't throwing up. So that part was really hard. But the Lord got me through it. And he's gave me a lot of opportunities to speak about about it. And mm-hmm. I think I've spoken to for sure over a thousand, maybe a couple thousand people about mm-hmm. it. So and that's always, like you mentioned, I'm an evangelist, and it's so it's been a sweet season of ministry for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and it honestly has been. It sounds crazy saying this, but compared to my work life, it's I have such a better quality of life hmm. with it now. I don't have the huge salary that I had with the work life, but it doesn't matter. God's been providing in most crazy ways you could ever. Yeah. Ever dream or imagine. Talk about Ephesians 3.20. That's another thing that's marked this whole experience for me. Because when I first when when I first got diagnosed, I thought for sure I'd be going back to work. Mm, yeah. And I had a couple of friends say, hey, maybe you shouldn't work. And I was like, well, how's that going to... I mean, who's going to pay the bills? I have to work. Yeah. And and then I had a, a, a Bible study leader who was also encouraging, well, maybe, you know, trust God that he'll do it. Yeah. And I was like... Well, it just seemed impossible. I struggle with that, with provision, more than I do with, like, my own health stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it could be from the fact that my dad did die when I was 11. Even though we were fine and my mom worked and, and I never, you know, I always had a meal. She paid for college. I had nothing to complain about. But I, one thing I've learned through this whole thing, I think I str- I think there's something deep in there that with provision – yeah. And losing my yeah. dad. Like, he's mm-hmm. the provider and he's yeah. not here. So then I decided, well, I guess that needs to be me now. Yeah, it's good. And yeah. um, even at 11, mm-hmm. I basically started yeah. taking care of mom and sister. Yeah. And um, anyway, it was it was a great lesson in me learning, like, I can trust on God to, do, to provide for me. Yeah. Which that, I didn't know God as a child. Yeah. And... And then I went went back into that child mode in 2008 thinking, oh, I better start providing because yeah. John's struggling. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I, I had been working for this new company for four months when I was diagnosed. And when I went there four months before, there was 
it was a hectic time because we were kind of selling a company to them and and I had to sign all the paper the HR papers and I didn't sign up for the sh- the disability insurance oh, and wow. my husband and I have always had disability we pay it every month we all that's like a big thing we're huge on and I didn't even do it <laughs> and my husband thought that it was the tumor was resting on a on a judgment area Hmm. So he thought maybe my judgment was off, and it could have been, um, but I didn't have it. Yeah. So I had I had nothing. Wow. <laughs> they called me in the hospital and said we can give you three days vacation. Wow. Because I'd been there for four months. That's crazy. And so that's another reason why I thought that I had to go back. But luckily, I was able to pray through it and meet with some mentors about it, and I finally decided I'm going to ask. The owner of this company, and it's like a half billion dollar company who barely knows me, mm-hmm. if he'll help me. Hmm. And I thought it was crazy. I wrote out this letter. I kept praying about it. I, I didn't even send it for two weeks. I just kept praying about the letter. And I, I was explaining how I didn't sign up for the thing, and this is what I would have got if I did, and is there any way that you could help me with this? Yeah. And and I thought, well, what the heck? Worst yeah. thing you can what do you is say no. Yeah. yeah. And so... The HR company called me one day, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I know that they're wanting, you know, me to quit." Or I didn't. I was nervous about the phone call, and I didn't take it. And so I decided because I wanted to talk to the owner first, and then I decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna send this. And so I remember it was nine in the morning. I sent it off, where I basically asked him, "Will you help provide for me?" Yeah. And and I can't work. And and. Literally two minutes, two minutes, owner of half billion dollar company emailed me back. And he's like, I am so sorry that you had to write this email. Because in the email, I kept saying, oh, I feel so bad and I'm embarrassed, but yeah. I really need help. And I don't know what else to do. And I feel God's calling me to ask you. And I have no idea if this guy is a Christian or whatever. Yeah. And um, he said, we were calling you yesterday to tell you that we want to basically pay your salary. Wow. And... Because we feel bad about what you're going through, and we want to help you. And so wow. we're willing to figure out what you're getting from the state, and then whatever's left over, we're going to we're gonna make you whole. So it's like you're getting your full salary wow. till the end of the year. I Not couldn't believe crazy. it. I was doing nothing. I knew the guy for four months. Yeah. I prayed to God, can this man help me? And then afterwards, I told him, I'm like, God used you yeah. to answer a cry of my heart. Yeah. Oh, God would never, he kept saying, God would never use me. I'm a terrible person. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm telling you the truth. He yeah, did. He did. I prayed to God, and then he answered with something that you did for me. So yeah, he did. It's good. It's good. So that's it's. And then um, after that year, I went in there to thank him. I, I made an appointment with him. I said, I just want to come by and thank you. And I said, So I want to thank you so much. And I just, and I was still. And full treatment, everything. Could, there's no way I could have worked. Yeah. And I said, "Can um, I was wondering if I could buy my my medical benefits from you? Um, I know I'm, you know, I'm done with the work you said through the end of the year. And is there any way that we I could? And he's all, "Yeah, if it's legal, you can." And I did consult a, an attorney. I knew it was legal since he was a privately held company. He could. Yeah. And I, I'm like, well, you should check with your HR and let me know. He's all, yeah, I have no problem. And then right as I was walking out of the door, he's all, wait a minute. He's all, do we really have to do this whole you quit and the benefits thing? He's all, why can't I just keep paying you until you're better? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so he paid me another year. Wow. Yeah. And, That's crazy. And 
And then eventually <laughs> he had to stop paying me, obviously. But yeah. but by that time, um, and there's been so many other ways, just people doing fundraisers for me or any. I feel like God's just taking care of things in yeah. crazy ways. Isn't it amazing how, um, you know, it's it's never just about one thing, you know. It's, I mean, this is a health, obviously, this huge thing. But God's God's this great economist with his his grace mm-hmm. and his power and his love, right? Yeah. And and I love that you brought up that your eleven year old self and that yeah. it's so interesting because I just did a podcast interview yesterday with a uh, uh, pastor Papa Joe Papa Joe Johnson who uh, has a ministry really a heal he- like an inner healing ministry mm-hmm. with dealing with with those things, those, those absences in our life and, and those wounds that we have that cause us to then kind of make those vows. I will never not provide, or I will never be like this, or I, you know, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, I'm going to step in because this happened. So I'm not going to let that happen again, you know, and and we, for our own self-protection and for maybe for the people around us, but really for ourselves, we kind of construct these little presumptions of what my role is and who I'm supposed to be and what I need to do to survive or what I need to do to take care of myself or my family. And the Lord just very lovingly and gently comes along and starts to deconstruct those things and go, well, actually, yeah. I didn't design you to do that. And it's time for you to learn how to let me be your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, And I had been to therapy yeah. about it before, mm-hmm. but one therapist that wasn't Christian, one that was, but I never, I still didn't get it. Yeah. Like I did through this. Yeah. I felt a real connection to God and, and I'm trying, and I always refer to him as Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And my Bible study leader told me, she's like, you never, it's like, I can't, I, I have trouble with the father part. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm working on that. Yeah. To call him daddy or Abba Father. Abba Father. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's so crazy because all of us will gravitate towards someone in the Trinity mm-hmm. <laughs> that we like feel good about. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, okay, Jesus, I'm good with Jesus. Yeah. He's my friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. God the Father, yeah, I'll leave you over there. Like, yeah, you're 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 God. Okay. Yeah, yeah God. Okay. Jesus, you and I are gonna be over here while God you know, or yeah. or Holy Spirit, you're my comfort. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I wanna hang out with you, you know? And it's like we have that thing and but the Trinity is God equally God, equally in pursuit of us, equally for us. Right. And I think there's a purpose in the enemy's relentless pursuit of distorting our understanding of God as Father. Yep. Um, distorting our understanding of what actual relationship with an intimacy with God is. That's why I did, that's why, what, why this podcast exists. I mean, what does it look like to, we were made for relationship. You know, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and to mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. The implications in those two verses are far-reaching, yeah. right? And it's all about intimacy. And we, and religion turns it away from relationship and into what I have to do. Like, i got to take care of this. Yeah. I'm going to provide. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to memorize all the things. I'm going to do all the good things. I'm going to be moral. I'm going to share Jesus with X amount of people or whatever, which keeps us wholly distracted from what Jesus died for. Right. You know, yes, he died 
to forgive us of our sins, but the point of forgiving us our sins is to take away that barrier between us and the Father. Right. So that instead of being like Adam and Eve and hiding in our shame, where God has to say, where are you? Right. It's not a, where are you? It's Mm -hmm. a, where are you? Yeah, I miss you. I miss you. Come back. I love you. So that we can experience John 17, you know, Jesus' prayer. Mm -hmm. His whole life is a demonstration of intimacy and dependence. And I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn is dependence. Yeah. Right? Yep. And that's this whole journey for you, someone who's been so so strong, so self-sufficient, able to juggle all the balls, care for everybody, provide, do all the things. And then suddenly you find yourself in a place where you have to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I was so concerned about my kids in the beginning as well. They were 15 and 18 when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And um, no, that's a hard age to. Yeah. Do. Well, Especially it's always that, hard, but it man. was really hard for both of them. Yeah. But God strengthened their faith. Yeah. And. I believe that he made them more empathetic mm-hmm. just towards anybody who's yeah. suffering. Yeah. And he really strengthened our relationships, too. Mm. I mean, not that I had a bad relationship with them, but my son ended up living at home until he was 22. And he could have moved out. He had plenty of money saved, and he was going to um, auto trade school. But he said that I... And I didn't even know this at the time, but when he finally did move out last year, after I found out that the cancer, they thought the cancer came back, but then it turned out I had a brain biopsy surgery, and they took three pieces of the part that was growing, and they wanted to have me, I had already been back on chemo two months, and and the biopsy came back saying no evidence of tumor. Wow. And so I got to stop the chemo. At that point, I was over with the two years of the head device thing. Yeah. And so he was like, I'm ready. He said, I think I'm going to move out. And we're like, okay, fine. And and he said, I just feel like you're okay now, so hmm. I can go. So that made me feel really good that I didn't even know that he was sticking yeah. around for me. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very thankful for that time that I got with him. I was yeah. sad that he was moving out, but I understood that he needed to, you know, spread his wings and fly and... He's loving life, and he's yeah. side coast to Mesa now. <laughs> yeah, as a full time. I mean, he was working full time. He had yeah. already graduated from the auto school, and he got a job, and um, was just doing his nine to five thing from home for me. Wow, wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, so it's so interesting how, like you were saying, it it solidified their faith, and I think when you walk through something like this and it doesn't have to be cancer it could be so many things yeah. it could be a death of a family member right. it could be an accident it could be something you know just so many different things that are autoimmune um, or yeah it could be that just rip the it's yeah. just those circumstances that rip the rug out from under you and just crazy disruption in our life and those are the things though that really finally get you to where to okay what do i actually believe you know, do I actually believe that you're who you say you are? Mm-hmm. And it really takes you back to the beginning. Okay, what am I doing? What do I believe? Why am I here? Where are my doubts? Where, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And as you kind of pull back, that's when you start to see, you know, yeah. see his presence, see his provision, see I even got miracles. to see a tiny bit of evangelism in the two of them. 
(laughs) I don't think that's their spiritual gifts. Maybe it is, but they both posted on their Instagrams or Snapchats and asking for prayer for me for my the first brain surgery. Which is, first of all, as a mom of a teenager, mm-hmm, like a yeah. teenager doesn't usually post pictures of their mom. Right. Maybe they do, but <laughs> so I was pretty excited to get to get a spot on Insta asking for prayer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you made it. So you had the initial surgery. You did hundreds of rounds of chemo. You had the device that was on your head. So mm-hmm. I know that you've had some significant milestones in the last year so where where are things yeah so um i was i I was six months off the chemo that was a huge celebration when i found i didn't have to do chemo anymore even though i knew i had still had to do the head thing for another year Mm -hmm. i was just so thankful not to have the chemo and then like the next scan i was still getting scanned every month it showed a little spot starting to grow Mm -hmm. and then the next scan it got bigger and then it got bigger again and after four months it might have even been five. She, my doctor said, it's, you're going back on chemo. And I was like, no, oh, please. Man. It's hard in the scans because they look, a, a tumor looks the same as necrosis, which is dead tissue. Hmm. And radiation damage causes dead tissue a year to two years after your radiation. Oh, so wow. she was like, I don't know if that's radiation damage or if it's tumor. But I think it's tumor and I think you should be back on chemo. And then she wanted me to start chemo on my 50th birthday, literally on the day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I, luckily I was able to push it out a week. But And then I was so sick, even sicker after being off it for six months. Yeah. I ended up in the emergency room. I didn't um, sleep for five days. And then I actually got second opinions on the tumor piece that was growing. Mm-hmm. And I ended up changing my oncologist to a different neuro-oncologist at, in L.A., He's been practicing for 22 years, my other oncologist, 12 years. And he said that he, in his life, I, wanna, I was very honored that he shared with me, I tended, in the beginning years, I tended to overtreat because I was scared and didn't want to lose anybody. Yeah. And that could be happening here. He's, I'm not saying that for sure, but and he gave me all these specific reasons as to why he thought it wasn't cancer. And he wanted to try and see how I did off chemo for a couple months. So... I ended up moving to him, and I tried going off it for two months, still kept growing. He finally said, you can do what you want, but if you would like, I'd like to do a brain biopsy, which is basically brain surgery. So they have to drill a hole in your head and all that. And if you don't mind, I'd like to do that to determine, is this really cancer or is it, you know, just yeah radiation damage? And that was a, the surgery that I did up in UCLA in September 2019, so just a year ago. When I did all the other second opinions, some doctors said, oh, all this is cancer, oh, just this is cancer. Everyone had different opinions. Everyone mm-hmm. agreed that the spot itself probably was cancer, mm-hmm. except the guy at UCLA. And so when I met with the surgeon, he said, okay, I'm going to biopsy this piece right here. And I said, well, can you biopsy the one above and the one below as well, since you're just going straight down? And he yeah. said, yeah, I could do that. And because I knew that other doctors had said that was cancer. Yeah. And... I couldn't believe he said, yeah, that he would do that, but right. never hurts to ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, Hey, would you pay me for two years? <laughs> Great. Hey, would you biopsy other stuff? Great. But okay. anyway, so, and they told me, we're going to test it while you're in surgery, and if it's tumor, then we have to keep taking more and more so we figure, can figure out how much it is. 
but the surgery ended up being really fast and they and when I came out I remember John and my sister told me no evidence of tumor all wow. three spots wow. and now that piece is completely gone even let, like maybe three months later it just disappeared wow and I get I have new spots and the doctor just thinks that's how my brain is going to work it's just I guess dealing with the radiation yeah after effects wow so just keep trusting and I, so that was in September. Since then, he's moved me recently. He just, he's been letting me go every three months for an MRI, which is a big deal in the brain tumor community to yeah. get to three months. So that's awesome. where I'm at with the glioblastoma. I still try and talk about it as much as I can, wherever I can. I'm so thankful just for everything I've been through. It's been a blessing, I have to say. Hmm. It has. I did start a cancer support group, and I, with my friend Melissa Armstrong, and um, she's not. She's with the Lord now, but I'm continuing our our group because I know it was meant a lot to her and to me. Yeah. Not just for it's emotion for emotional purposes, but even practical. A couple people have told me they love the practicality of it. Just talking about little things like. Well, like disability and applying. Did you know that you can get social security disability? Yeah. Six months after you're disabled. Yeah. And um, you can get Medicare if you've been disabled for two years. Just things like that have been have helped people, and and I'm hoping it continues. It's hard. Of course, my old self is feeling like it's not big enough, and I, more people need to know about it. And I. Yeah. And but every time I, we meet, even if there's four, three, two people. I feel blessed, and I that person tells me they felt blessed. So yeah. I'm just trusting the Lord to just grow it as he sees fit. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big deal, I think, you know, especially in, you know, even in the American church, I think we can get, we can put pressure and expectation on for something to be valid. It needs to look a certain way, right. you know, and in this day and age of internet and social media, you know, it's like, oh, it needs to grow or whatever. And But the reality is, I mean, you look at, at Jesus, you know, one of my favorite stories is the woman at the well because he just That's where John he, A. Twelve comes from. Yeah, he took time to have a conversation. Yeah. And and he knew that her encountering him and being seen by him and being known by him in that conversation would spur her to then go and share. Yeah. And he could have bypassed that conversation mm-hmm. and gone to that town himself. Yeah. And all these people would have come to Jesus and been healed. But he chose to to talk to one woman mm-hmm. and drink a cup of water, you know. And I think, I'm you know, bumps. yeah, there's something about being able to surrender. You know, it's funny, these each uh, season of Sacred Space themes pop up. And so I feel bad for my listeners because by the end of a season, I feel like I'm a broken record because <laughs> these things keep coming up. But last season, um, and just in my life, the thing you know, because so much of this is what God's been teaching me, is how do you how do you have great expectation without imposing our design on that expectation, right? So you have Abraham and Sarah, or you have you know, there's so many things in the Bible, and it could, whether it's hope for healing, or whether it's ministry, or whether it's uh, even your job in your workplace, mm-hmm. you have these dreams and these ideas, and maybe even a word from the Lord that's so sure that, okay, I know God wants me to do this. But we all construct our own picture of what that should look like in the road to get there. And dependence is surrendering all of that 
but still holding on to that hope and that great expectation, right. right? And that's when we can do that. That's when the miraculous we see the miraculous right. things, right? And and we still, I mean, I fall off the wagon all the time, just like I even just two months ago when I was complaining to the Lord that why isn't the cancer group growing? Yeah. And then He said to me, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be big. Yeah. Just be you. Yeah. Be share your journey. Yeah. Encourage people, whether it's one person or a hundred or a yeah. thousand. Yeah. That's good. And so I'm still learning to just continue to trust in that providence. Yeah. So you mentioned Melissa. Yeah. Um, dear sweet Melissa. Yeah. Her son just got married last weekend. Did he really? Yeah, the younger Aww. one. Wow. Her one son was already married and yeah. they had four kids. They had two kids and then his wife was pregnant with twins. And she got diagnosed like three months before the twins were born, or five months actually. And they told her she probably wouldn't make it five months, mm. but she made it two years. Two years. She got yeah. to see their second birthday. Wow. And she loved them. She just cherished her time with them. Yeah. If you're up for it, mm-hmm. I would love to talk about that, like the tension of that. Like you, so you have this group, you have some friends, Alice Houghtonville. Yeah, I interviewed for Sacred Debbie Owens. For, Debbie Owens for they were um, all in the group. Yeah, and um, Alice, I interviewed and was I, you know, it felt like holy ground when she was in here in this yes. room talking Love to her. her. And there's this tension that I can't even try to presume to understand how it feels to be where you have been and where they were in that that tension between faith for healing and trust and dependence on God and surrender of whether that healing is in this life or the next, because even our definitions of what we think healing is, you know what I mean? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Mm -hmm. Lord. And so, you know, I'm sitting here kind of going as much as Alice had such faith and belief and hope that she would live longer here on earth. The reality is that all of her pain's gone and the you know she's she's in the presence of the she's lord. in the presence of the lord but that you know you you're living in that the tension of those things you're yeah. living in the, i had survivor guilt yeah and yeah. i struggle with guilt anyway um just from other stuff and i shared with my bible study later that i was feeling that i felt guilty that yeah. melissa was gone and debbie was gone and then alice was gone why am i here my yeah. cancer was supposedly worse than any of theirs yeah um, but she helped me through that, and the Lord, I prayed a lot about it, and the Lord helped me, and it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I know for me, um, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to die, and I know none of them were either. Yeah. I mean, they were all looking forward to be with, especially all of them were in a lot of pain at the end. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. I mean, during my chemo, I kind of was, but... So I was happy that they were with the Lord and not in pain and just in his presence. And I know what joy that brought all of them. Yeah. But it's hard for us here. It's hard for their families and their spouses or their kids. Yeah. But, you know, I've seen God do great things, um, at least with Debbie's girls and with Melissa's family. And I'm not, I haven't. I don't know Alice's husband well enough to get updates yeah. on how her kids are doing, but or her daughter. Um, but I'm sure that 
God's doing yeah. things there yeah. too. Yeah. But. So if there's somebody who's listening that just got some test results or just got a phone call that they never wanted to get or um, even has a family member, what would you say to them? Well, if you know the Lord, well, first of all, I would remind you that you're healed. Yeah. It says in First Peter 2.24, by his wounds, we are healed. It's present. We're healed. <laughs> if you believe, you're healed. Yeah. And I always believe that. I would tell my doctors all the time, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And they're like, well, that's good to have a positive attitude. I'm like, no, it's a lot more than a positive attitude. It's a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I really believe that. And there's, there's over 60 verses about that, about how we are healed in the Bible. And I would read those all the time just to remind myself of them. Yeah. And also to the believer, I did Bible study for, well, I've been married for 25 years. And so... And I became a believer when I was 25. So, and I did Bible studies from the second I became a believer. And even though, you know, they had ups and downs, I stuck with it for whatever reason. And when I got diagnosed, that, those, even though I'm not a big memorizer of the word, it came back to me. God brought it back to me. All that knowledge and things that I had been studying and, and those things encouraged me. Yeah. So I would just encourage you to... Reach, reach deeper mm, to good. the Lord. Yeah, and just ask Him, ask Him to help you, to encourage you, yeah. and believe that He will. Believe. Yeah. You've got to believe that you're healed, and you've got to believe that God is there with you and is comforting that he's you. He's present. Yeah. He's and He's taking care of you and and surrender it. Yeah. I mean, I tell people that literally from the moment the doctor told me, large mass on your brain, how are you alive? I immediately surrendered it. Yeah. And just said. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. And I've been, I feel like I'm like along for the ride. Like I'm on Jesus' back. Like, what are we doing next? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's just been taking care of things. And I've just, I'm, and I'm so thankful that he gave me the spirit of peace about it that I can't yeah. really explain. Yeah. And I've met other cancer patients that feel the, the same way. Mm-hmm. And then they're, their partners or spouses or kids, they're the ones that are all stressed out and yeah. freaking out about it. So I feel bad saying that because I know a lot, you know, it was hard for my kids and my husband and my, my close friends. But um, so I would just tell them to believe you're healed. Focus on the words that God says about healing. Yeah. Um, for me, I, like I've said a million times, I focus on John eight twelve. It says, no matter what happens, I'll never be in the dark. I could die tomorrow and I won't be in the darkness. Yeah. I'll always have the light of life because I believe in Jesus. It's a promise. Yeah. And so I just focused on that. The hard part is if your family member or yourself don't know God. Yeah. And if it's yourself, I encourage you to read a little bit in the Bible. Read the book of John. <laughs> And for whatever reason, if you don't believe it or you're struggling with it, reach out to someone. You can call me. I would love to talk to you about it. You can read books about it. There's a million books out there if it's like scientific reasons or whatever it is. And then if it's a family member, that's even harder, I I feel, than for yourself or someone you know that doesn't know the Lord. Really, all you can do with that person is tell them you're praying for them. Tell them you're, you know, love them. Yeah. Don't say, what can I do for you? Just do it. 
Mm-hmm. If you're noticing the person's feeling, you know, bad or just anything, just showing up at their door, leaving a card on the yeah. doorstep or a verse and just saying, I'm praying for you. I say I'm praying for you all the time to people that don't know the Lord. Yeah. And and no one has once asked me to not pray for them. <laughs> right. Really, they've always thanked me. Yeah. And so I, that's what I would I would suggest for that. Yeah, that's good. And I like, too, that you said that you know, like you're not a big memorizer of scripture, but mm. all of all of those things started coming back. And that's when I when I teach classes and stuff, one of the things that I talk about is we can read the word to read it, we can, you know, memorize it just for the head knowledge, but then there's a part of it there's that when it becomes kind of a part of your DNA. Mm-hmm. And that's when um, when it's in those places that when you're in the darkness or when you're facing something, that's when the Holy Spirit can access all of that and bring yes. all of that. To yes, and I was surprised bring. how much the Holy Spirit was accessed. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there's there's so much that the Lord will use to minister back to you the things that you've sown in to seek Him out. Right. right? And, um, and even through music, listening to worship music. Yeah. I listen to worship music all day, every day. Yeah. And it, it lifts my spirits. It reminds me of God's word and of his promises and especially when I was sick and I couldn't read his word it was too hard to read I would just listen to those just any kind of uh, song that had Christian lyrics that and 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 I felt really uplifted from that yeah so I would say in some ways just in terms of who you are I do think one of your spiritual gifts I think you have a gift of faith I think you have gifts of evangelism gift of faith and so y- you had this incredible piece and you walked into it. Were you ever scared? And when you were, how did you process that? Um, yeah. I mean, I was definitely scared a lot. But again, I was more scared about not being provided for than I was about dying. I'm not scared about dying. Isn't wow, that weird? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I... I and. A couple times I did have a pity party for myself where I like went upstairs and cried. But I also, again, Bible study of Nehemiah. I remember Nehemiah was like there to build, rebuild the wall and everyone, and he was telling everybody how horrible they are that they've been like ignoring the wall and not rebuilding it. And everyone started grieving and wailing and they went into this whole mourning thing. And, and then after a day, he's like, all right, you're done. We're not mourning anymore, people. We've got a, we've got a job to do. Pity party's over. He didn't say pity party, but he might as well have. Yeah. You know, there's a time for that. And now we're going to focus and we're going to rejoice that we can do this. And we're going to eat choice foods and we're going to share them with our neighbor. And we're going to get this job done. And so I just kind of looked at it like that. I let myself, you know, cry it out. Yeah. But not too long. Yeah. And because then all these other things start, you know, next thing you know, you have bitterness and yeah, and shame and all these things start, if you let it go too long, then right. they, those, they take root, they take root. And yeah. I didn't want that to happen, but I did let myself cry it out a couple of times. Yeah. Like, especially the second time around when I had to go into chemo again, that was really hard. Yeah. So now you're here on this side of all of, yeah. all of it. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big like, question. Yeah. Like, whoa. I know I'm having guilt, but I'm not doing anything. But I also need to stop that and realize that I just, my life's a slower pace and that's okay. I like it yeah. like that. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust that God's going to use me where he wants to use me. And, and right now it's in the cancer support group. Yeah. And other places I get 
I get calls a lot from people that know somebody or heard of somebody, and I do have a little document that I have. It's like seven pages long, but it, I call it Beat the Beast. And I just, as I went through my journey, I would just type in a book I read or a podcast I'd listened to or a video I'd watch, and I kind of just kept it all in there, the disability stuff. And I have links to where I've given my testimony. And, and so I send that out. I send out the, the verses on healing, and I send out a picture of my tumor in my brain because it looks like it takes up half my brain in the picture really wow and so i send that to people all the time and i've even had someone call me one time and say yeah i saw this document it's called beat the beast it was on this brain tumor forum (laughs) so someone like posted it somewhere else i'm like great the first thing i have in there read the bible is like the very (laughs) first thing that's awesome and um so I'm, I mean, someday maybe I could have like a blog or something. I'd love to take all my, I wrote a lot on Caring Bridge during mm-hmm. the journey. I'd love to transfer all that onto a blog or a website or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's just a thought. But yeah, right now I'm just praying and waiting for God to show me where he wants it's me good. next. It's good. I'm not sure where that will be, which is okay. I'm okay with that, which the old Christine wouldn't have been okay yeah. with that. I'd be planning. It's a big deal. Yeah. That's a very big deal. More was healed than just the body. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And thank you, Lord. Yeah. All glory to God. Yeah. And rest is as important, Mm -hmm. you know. So God bless you (laughs) as you you rest. Yes. And as you rebuild and restore. I've gotten pretty good at the resting part. Yeah. Kind of like it, actually. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do and all the encouragement you give people from your podcasts. Oh, thanks. And I'm going to hopefully have some cards. I'm going to be spreading the word about this podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'll send you the link. <laughs> okay, great. I hope you caught that moment towards the end there where Christine said, even if I die tomorrow, I won't be in the dark. I'm in the light. What are you facing right now? Are you facing something difficult? Maybe it's not a terminal diagnosis, but there's a lot of heartache and pain and trial and um, difficulty that many, many people are facing right now. Are you able to lift your eyes Are you able to look up, lock eyes with Jesus, and trust that He's got you? That He's with you, that He's for you, and He has everything you need to stand exactly where you are and beat the beast, whatever that beast might be. Speaking of Beat the Beast, I have a link to Christine's Beat the Beast document in the episode notes. So click on that if you or someone you know is walking this journey, facing a diagnosis and needs support and needs advice, click on that and use it as a resource. If you'd like to get in touch with Christine, you can email me. The link is in the show notes, and I will connect the two of you. If you would like to support the production of this podcast and other projects by Stockton Ministries, you can click the link in the episode notes, or you can go to GinaStockton.com and click the donate button in the top right corner. 
Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you next time in the sacred space.